You're listening to Juicy Podcast. I'm your host, Tony Vontagalupo, and in this episode, I will be talking to Lisa McGill, co-founder of Alaria. Alaria.tech is the website, A-L-E-R-I-A dot T-E-C-H. If you go on there, you can find out some more information. They are taking the guesswork out of diversity and inclusion. So if you know that this is a priority for you and your company and your organization, uh, but you need some help figuring out how best to go about implementing the right kinds of practices, making the right kinds of organizational changes uh, to promote diversity and inclusion in your organization, Lisa and her company are here to help you out. And if you go on their website, they've got some resources. In this episode, we'll talk about, first of all, what diversity means, what inclusion means, the differences between the two terms, why they're important, why they're valuable, uh, not just to kind of check the box, but because they really provide some real important benefits to you and your company, um, and how co-working spaces can really model the right kinds of behaviors for the companies that they are, in some cases, incubating that are going to go on to become a lot bigger. So she's got a lot of resources to offer. She's also going to be leading a workshop at Juicy USA in Seattle that's coming up April 20th. So go ahead and check out the details on that and grab your ticket at usa.juicy.co, usa.gcuc.co. And while you're checking that out, enjoy my conversation with Lisa McGill of Valeria on this Juicy Podcast, episode 40. Lisa, thanks so much for joining. I'm uh, grateful for your time. Hey, how's it going, Tony? Thanks for being here. Awesome. So great. And so I want to hear a little bit about you and uh, Aleria and just what you do, how you ended up in this world, and a little bit about what you're focused on and, and where you're going from here. That is a lot of questions. You uh, would start with the first part. <laughs> <laughs> we'll jump right in. What do you do and, 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 how, and how did you end up as a part of this? No problem. So I am currently co-founder and COO of Alaria. And Alaria is a public benefit corporation that really has a mission of taking the guesswork out of diversity and inclusion. And that takes shape in us coming into organizations and showing them how inclusion can help improve recruitment strategies and increase employee satisfaction, achieve diversity goals, and ultimately drive better business performance overall. Uh, and so we do a lot of work with organizations on that side of the world. And then it's, it's also just an important thing to know that uh, we have a nonprofit as well that conducts research in the space of diversity and inclusion, all with the goal of impacting the way people think about diversity and inclusion, but more importantly, changing what they do about it. So um, across the two organizations, we're really focused on just building a more inclusive and equitable world. Uh, and we've been doing this together as a team for about two years. Great. And how, how did you, what was the impetus for you starting the organization or co-founding co the organization? Yeah. So my business partner, one of our uh, co-founders, Paulo Gadiano, his uh, complexity science, and he's been applying this type of research and, and um, you know, uh, methodologies. He's been working on them all for about four years now in the diversity and inclusion space, but about three decades over his career. And it's a really helpful tool and approach to understanding and analyzing and predicting human-related behaviors. And so um, a lot of the work that we do today is um, 
based on and driven by his experience in his career, but then on the research that was conducted at QUISD, which is an academic research center that he co-founded uh, in New York that um, really focuses on the quantitative study of DNI. And so in the last two years, um, I just so happened to get lucky um, at a time when I was, um, you know, uh, my background's a tech startups, so I was a social impact entrepreneur, and I had just come back from a fellowship in Rwanda and was looking for my next thing. And um, around that same time, Paula was looking for someone to come on board and really help create a solution, a technology-driven solution that was based on the methodologies and approaches and research that he had conducted at QuizD. And so uh, that was January, uh, two years ago, almost exactly. And uh, we also have our co-founder, Arshia, who has um, a heavy background in nonprofits that is um, helping us on the operations side of both, both businesses as well. Very cool. And um, so take me through a little bit about how you, who you work with and, and in what way you work with them. Like how, how, does, how does an organization kind of interface with you and, and get value out of, out of what you provide? Yeah, so the typical organization that we work with is going to have um, anywhere from, you know, 100 employees to a couple of thousand, and we're going to come in and conduct what we call an inclusion assessment most often, and that's a four-step process where we're providing educational tools, um, some foundational knowledge, getting everyone on the same page about the importance of inclusion and why they need to not only focus on diversity but also on inclusion, giving them frameworks to be able to do that. Uh, doing some design thinking like exercises where we brainstorm around what's going on in, on a day-to-day -day basis within their organization. What are those incidences of exclusion that are causing employees satisfaction to go down or causing the uh, company to lose those key employees? Uh, and how can we drive greater inclusion within the organization? And so we'll do that through a series of workshops, um, some interactive um, experiences. Sometimes we'll uh, collect data and, and conduct surveys as necessary. And then we deliver a report that's really guiding the company and its leadership on how to prioritize and focus their resources internally to really drive the needle in terms of inclusion uh, and, and you know, ultimately showing them how that inclusion element um, links to um, employee satisfaction and business performance metrics and allows them to prioritize it internally. And uh, just so just so we're clear on the language here, can you tell us just briefly your way of explaining the difference between diversity and inclusion? Yeah, absolutely. So diversity to us is a measure of how an individual's personal characteristics differ from those of the normative majority of an organization. Um, and those are really, you know, like representation metrics, um, if, if I will. And then inclusion, on the other hand, is, is the act of ensuring that people's experiences within your organization are not impacted negatively as a result of their personal characteristics or traits. And so the difference is, you know, we're looking at representation metrics versus an actual experience and the acts of trying to improve those experiences. That is so succinct and clear, and I'm so grateful to have asked you that so that I could hear your answer. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so just to reflect that back to you, so diversity might be, like if I'm trying to pursue diversity in my organization, I might see that I have, for example, people in my space uh, who represent a diverse group of people in terms of their backgrounds and their cultures and things like that. If I am practicing inclusion, now I'm talking about just because these people are here doesn't necessarily mean that I'm providing an environment that is accommodating to the needs of those people. So the inclusion is my going through the process of ensuring that that is the case and looking for opportunities to do that better. Do I generally have that right? 
Absolutely. Yeah. So many companies are setting these arbitrary goals and then hiring people or building communities that are meant to improve those representation numbers, but they aren't really creating an environment for all of these uh, newer individuals that are coming to their organization to actually thrive or to be comfortable on a day-to-day basis or to have the same opportunities long-term. And that's just not a win for either the employees or the company um, without like a concerted approach that considers inclusion as well as diversity. Like these organizations are just, they're focused on the wrong metrics and, you know, they're just like investing in the wrong piece of the puzzle. Gotcha. And in terms of, so, so take me through a little bit about in terms of the benefit to an organization, you know, uh, and I'm trying to think a little bit from a devil's advocate standpoint where, you know, maybe, maybe there's somebody who's open to the idea, but who's also very busy and we're trying to run a business and being pulled in a hundred different directions. So, um, you know, if I'm in that position as a small business owner and I don't have a lot of resources, but I know this is important and I want to engage it, um, help me understand kind of, I guess, first, you know, like in a specific way, what are, what are the benefits that you're, that you're kind of educating people about that, that I can see in a concrete way as a business owner? Yeah, so the work takes shape slightly differently when we're talking about these small organizations and startups as compared to like medium and large size corporations. And we actually on the nonprofit side uh, do a lot of work in that space. We look at ecosystems as opposed to just workplaces. And so some of those ecosystems, some of the grants and the research that we've conducted have been in relationship to the entrepreneurship communities and support organizations and how uh, founders can really um, prioritize inclusion from day one and why and like what are the benefits. And it's to your point that, you know, as entrepreneurs, we have so many things going on. We, you know, are juggling multiple responsibilities. Um, you know, any day could be our last day if we make the wrong decision, right? But we're also responsible for a team and um, have tighter, you know, budgets, all these things that just um, compound the, um, the needs that are being demanded of founders, but also um, what is like the risk that's associated with spending time on the wrong things. So all of that to say, um, the this whole path of the crossing point of entrepreneurship and diversity and inclusion is something that I'm, I'm extremely passionate about and something that we're doing a lot of work in, particularly at ARC, our nonprofit. Um, and to answer your question about how do I convince entrepreneurs that it is such an important thing that they need to make time, it's really around convincing them that inclusion is a tool for their success. And that by creating the foundational values and processes and procedures in the beginning, that they will be able to thrive and um, keep uh, employees longer. They'll be more loyal. They'll be more uh, collaborative. Um, and it's just those things mean so much when you're an entrepreneur and you're running lean. Um, but we also have frameworks that bigger picture um, allow entrepreneurs or even you know, mid and large size businesses to truly map the value of inclusion to their business performance metrics. And we do that in a framework that we call the four pillars of business performance, but all that doesn't, you know, it's, it, it's just another framework, you know, it makes it easy to approach. But the point of that is that we can show you how inclusion can um, influence recruitment, how it can influence retention, how it can influence your ability um, to be productive on a day-to-day basis, and then also your ability to attract new customers and revenue. And because we can map all of that out, we can uh, simulate what the potential outcomes of you investing in diversity and inclusion early on can be. And so we've developed these 
um, they're kind of like Sims games. I don't know if you know that reference. Sometimes it dates me really hardcore, but um, they're, you know, Absolutely. like Roller Coaster Tycoon and Sims. I could, I could talk they, about Sims City. Uh, <laughs> if you want. I mean, we could go way Perfect, back. perfect. <laughs> I'm glad you get the reference. Hopefully everyone else will as well. But it's these little individuals running around a screen and you are responsible for them. And you can click on any individual and see you know, how they're doing that day, whether they're hungry, whether they are happy, whether they need something. And so our simulations are meant to do something very similar, but we're looking at them within the context of an organization. So you know, if we're looking at, as an example, retention, it's how many times has this woman that's been in the organization for five years been passed over for a promotion? What is her employee satisfaction as a result of that? Uh, you know, and what are her other um, intersectionality, you know, traits that may be complicating that issue? Um, you know, who's her manager? All these things can be simulated in software. And then we can toggle some of the biases within the organization. And so again, it's kind of like a, a Dorothy move where we're clicking our red heels and saying, if there was a magic wand where we could just instantly remove the bias that is tied into your recruiting processes or your retention processes here's the possible outcomes in the organization uh, and that all you know visually um, is something that allows business um, leaders to kind of uh, take in what's happening in the organization in a different way than just a statistic uh, but it also allows them to play with like what's what's realistic within our organization you know we're not actually going to be able to just overnight remove all bias but if we are able to say what if we um, adjust to equal pay what is the potential outcome of that are we able to retain our best talent are we able to improve employee satisfaction these kinds of things um, that was a long-winded answer, but essentially we have tools and frameworks that that help guide these decisions. No, that's I'm glad that you explained that in the detail that you did. That's really exciting. Um, and in terms of, you know, because I'm thinking about the folks listening to this call who uh, might be managing co-working spaces, might be, you know, essentially running a facility of, which is itself a, a small or medium-sized business, but then it's also home to a bunch of other people that are running small to medium-sized businesses and what I found, having run one of these myself for many years in New York, is that we end up being the starting point, and in some cases, setting the cultural norms, or at least kind of helping to shape the cultural norms for people who, in some cases, end up going to going on to build much larger businesses. And so, to some degree, what I see as an opportunity, and some might argue a bit of a um, mandate is for the co-working space to set an example for their members such that when those members get big and outgrow that co-working space and start operating their own offices and hiring their own teams of employees, that those companies at the earliest stages have an understanding of what diversity and inclusion looks like so that when they're making really critical decisions about how they structure their company, how they structure their HR and their communication and their internal culture, you know, when a company is one or two people, you know, so many decisions get made that affect the, the next hundred employees and beyond, right? And so if that Absolutely. is something that a co-working space can be in a position to help them to shape when they're at that one or two employee level, then I feel like we could probably set them up to have, you know, really healthy culture later so that you're not trying to go in and undo, you know, bad culture or, or, or norms that just were never figured out to begin with. Um, yeah. And so I feel like there's a real opportunity there. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. And I'm so glad that you brought that up. I think that 
to your point, founders and early stage startups do lean on co-working spaces for an aspect of their culture. Um, and the right space, the right environment, if you're putting your team into the, the right physical space with the right level of interaction, with the right level of noise, um, you know, all of these things that are um, in the co-working spaces, you know, control, uh, you're able to build a more inclusive and collaborative team. And uh, I think that co-working spaces that are aware of that responsibility and that influence uh, and truly embrace it as a challenge um, and recognize that, you know, it's, it's an advantage and like co-working can be a tool for inclusion uh, for companies big and small, but particularly um, influential for those early stage companies to your point. Um, the co-working spaces that really embrace that and recognize it are, are going to lead. Gotcha. And in terms of, um, so for that, I know that you probably mostly deal with more, not like not small businesses, but medium and larger, but um, for the smaller folks or, or for the co-working spaces themselves that, you know, don't necessarily control um, the conversation in the way that you would if everyone in the room was an employee versus a customer. Um, I'm curious what kinds of tips you have essentially for easy kind of high impact, low effort or low investment kinds of best practices, tips that folks who are running these spaces might be able to employ. So if I'm running a co-working space, I wanna set a good example. Where do I begin? What's like an easy win for me? Yeah, so um, let me start by providing just a, a bit of a framework of how we think of inclusion that might be helpful. We, we think of it in terms of categories of inclusion. So we have um, nine standard categories of inclusion. Each one has different um, experiences that can be influenced or impacted uh, by the context of an organization or a space or a community. And so one of those categories of inclusion you know, might be learning and growth. One of them is compensation and benefits. One of them is access and participation. One of them is work-life balance, you know, respect, workplace interactions, these kinds of things. Um, as a co-working space, you're not going to be able to influence all of them. And as a founder, you can't prioritize all of them at the same time. However, the ones where as you're talking about like quick wins and um, the ability to like really uh, influence uh, this, the experiences in a positive way and create more inclusive environments are going to probably be around um, those work-life um, balance uh, details, but also workplace interactions and respect. So in terms of work-life balance, I mean, Co-working space is a tool that allows more flexibility within organizations, you know, that allows them to work within hours and within spaces that make them comfortable, allows them that flexibility of being able to dial in from anywhere a lot of times, you know, um, and so even just by default, you are a tool for increasing work-life balance, but also thinking of the actual physical space and how teams um, are interacting with one another. Uh, it may seem like a, a pretty basic, but you know, just thinking around the needs of introverts versus extroverts, or what are the tools and spaces that are needed for visual thinkers, or how can we make sure that we're communicating ideas and that they're understood across all teams. And so giving those that mixed types of space that allows different people to work in the way that they're most comfortable um, or that they're needed at different times is very key. But also I think like having flexible hours as a space, um, you know, if you're a co-working space that is not open on nights and weekends, then you're kind of immediately ruling out those that are the, um, you know, the side hustle warriors, the, those that have full-time jobs and are building companies on the side. And so thinking through, you know, do you have any unnecessarily potentially bias or um, processes and procedures that are in place that are unnecessary, uh, that are kind of ruling people out or not causing it to be as 
convenient or as valuable for them. And then it's simple things like, you know, giving space for breastfeeding and pumping mothers and, uh, you know, tools like that that are just making sure that um, everyone is feeling welcome no matter what phase um, of work they're in. Uh, I think those are very quick and easy wins. But also, you know, noise level is a huge one. Um, that you have control over, uh, making sure that they have spaces that can be quiet or making sure that they have spaces that uh, can have the, the music to drown out noise. Uh, just considering that, that people have different needs is, is a big thing, but then also creating interactions for networking and mentoring and um, allowing people to have the reasons and the, the structure to be able to um, step away from their, their laptop and um, enjoy themselves uh, in various intervals throughout the day. That's great. And it, so these, these are all handy. And I just love being able to give folks who are listening something actionable. Uh, is there anywhere that you would recommend uh, that you would send people to if they wanted to kind of look up more for more information or more tips around these kinds of things, links or, or things that you would recommend people Google? Yeah, absolutely. If you go to our website, olaria.tech, we have a DNI resources drop down menu that has a long list of various tools and resources. And one of the the most valuable or one of the things that I would point to if you're curious around inclusion and why inclusion rather than diversity or like how do I measure inclusion or like what the heck is these categories of inclusion? There's a resource, I think it's literally labeled measuring inclusion under DNI resources on our website. And it's like a 10 page um, ebook that literally puts all of this out there. Um, you know, we're kind of handing what we do over so that um, small teams can can be guided in the right way and make this decisions um, that make sense within their organization. So that's a great resource. If you're just curious or wanting to understand inclusion and how to think of it within the context of your company. That's awesome. Yeah, I see that you've got a email sign up for that. And then once you put in your info, there's a really nicely designed little PDF that you can get not too long, very nicely designed, just easy to read. So that's cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, if they have any questions, I'm happy to answer. So feel free to shoot me an email if you if you have any questions after taking a look at it. Yeah, and that's A-L-E-R-I-A dot tech. Cool. And uh, I understand you will be in Seattle for Juicy USA in April. I will. Can't wait. It's my first time attending. Super excited. Oh, great. I'm excited uh, for you to be there. And uh, what are you going to be doing when you're there? You're going to be part of the unconference and part of, uh, you're going to be speaking at the conference itself as well. That's right. Yeah. So during the unconference, we'll be providing a workshop that, you know, rather than your typical lecture on why DNI is imperative, we're going to be providing some of these tools and frameworks to help um, you really leave empowered to know how to empower or how to, um, prioritize inclusion and benefit from it. And so that's during the unconference. And then during the primary uh, conference uh, day, we'll also do a 15 minute quick um, little introduction to, to inclusion and how we measure it. Super exciting. This is great. And uh, in terms of next year, where, where, where are you headed from here? What's a priority for you in the year to come? Oh, I'm so excited about 2020 because so much of our work is, you know, research and um, developing frameworks and kind of this like tech supported consulting. And we're taking a, a big foot, a big step into technology next year. And so we're uh, in the process of building applications that uh, teams can use to uh, measure inclusion on an ongoing basis, as opposed to just having us come in and do these um, one point in assessments. And so uh, that'll be a wonderful tool for organizations um, and uh, 
I'm excited to build technologies just to, <laughs> my, my background and my excitement uh, in terms of my career is just creating um, solutions that can cause social you know good and positive impacts at scale and so um, that's 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 what's exciting about next year for us love it love it this is so great uh, Lisa you have you have answered everything I have wanted to ask you exactly that like with exactly the answer I would have wanted and and you've been clear and concise and informative I'm just so grateful for the work that Thank you're you doing so much. setting us up for a better future for work and I uh I, I really like to see where you know because co-working is a big part of the future of work too and the future of the workplace where you know less and less we're going to have companies that are controlling their own their own spaces with their own employees full-time we're going to see more and more of this you know, kind of flexible work environment and co-working spaces are going to be kind of taking up that mantle. We'll set the example. So the more that what you're doing can educate the people who are going to be running these spaces that are going to increasingly become the default de facto workspaces for the future. Um, hopefully we can layer in some better, some better practices and better cultures uh, from, from the early days. I couldn't agree more. I, you know, I've been a remote uh, entrepreneur for a little over six years now, and uh, I've moved in in that period of time uh, four times. <laughs> and so I can honestly say that co-working spaces have been just such a valuable resource for me personally in terms of finding um, community and support and connecting into new cities. And so I am extremely excited just about the value of co-working as it exists now and the potential down the line as well. Amazing. Lisa, thanks so much for your time, and um, and I will see you in Seattle. Yeah, see you there. Awesome. All right, take care. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Lisa McGill of Elyria. Check out her stuff at elyria.tech, and I hope you are ready to go and um, find more ways to promote diversity and inclusion in your organization wherever you may be. And I hope that Lisa's uh, material can be helpful to you. If you'd like to see Lisa and myself and a whole bunch of other really amazing experts sharing our knowledge even further, come join us in Seattle, April 20th. And it's GCUSA. So it's usa.gcuc.co for all the details on that. Check out the Who's Coming tab to see a preview of who's going to be there, as well as the agenda. Get a vibe for what's there. I think it's going to be awesome. Seattle is wonderful. And yeah, so if you haven't been to Seattle, you totally should come. I highly recommend Capitol Hill. That neighborhood's just amazing. Go visit Office Nomads and learn a bunch of stuff. Have a really good time. So I hope to see you there. And either way, in the meantime, keep being awesome.